Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. The Metrical Paraphrases is a book by the Church of Scotland that functions as a sort of Presbyterian hymnal and Bible combined. Arranged from Genesis to Revelation, it consists of hymns that paraphrase different chapters of Scripture, including our epistle lesson for the Feast of All Saints. The first stanza beautifully captures the first of our verses. Behold the amazing gift of love the Father has bestowed on us, the sinful sons of men, to call us sons of God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, writes St. John, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. This love of God is so immensely wonderful, blessed, glorious, and sublime that there is really no way to fully describe it and appraise it. What kind of love is not only the quality of that love, but also its quantity. It is a great love greater than whatever we could imagine. It is a love enough for all of the world. It is a love that takes us who are sinful and lowly creatures who by our rebellion of sin deserve nothing from God, not his protection, not his care, and certainly not his love. And yet that is what the Father has given to us. He has given it to us even though we do not deserve it. And the purpose of this great and sublime love is this, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. His love for us is so great that he desires for us, the objects of his love, to not only be his servants or his creatures, but to be his children. The Venerable Bede helps us see how great a gift this is, writing, The love and grace of our Creator is so great that he has allowed us both to know him and to love him, and moreover to love him as children love a wonderful Father. It would be no small thing if we were able to love God in the way that a servant loves his master or a worker loves his employer, but loving God as a Father is much greater still. God's love towards us is so great. His love is such a great gift to us that we may call him Father, not because he is our God, but because he has made us his children. And so we are, says St. John. We are. Again, this is not a turn of phrase. It is not just an honorific but God has become our Father. He has made us his children. He has adopted us, making us true children, as he is our true Father. And how does this happen? Since this is not just us saying we are God's children, but we actually are God's children, how can that happen? First, there is the love of God that's been manifested in Christ Jesus. The Son of God made man, having taken into himself a human nature. This he did out of his love. In taking a human nature to himself, the Son has elevated humanity 
so that in the person of the Son there is God and man in one. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, John writes in his Gospel. This grace is to become children of God, a love which did not spare his Son, but gave him up to death for us. For God so loved the world, John writes again, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. All who believe in him will have eternal life, because by Christ's death and through faith in him, we receive the forgiveness of our sins. But through faith we also become God's children. As St. John also writes in his Gospel, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We become children of God as we became children from our parents through birth. But this birth is not a natural birth. It is a supernatural birth, a birth from above. Truly, truly, I say to you, our Lord says to Nicodemus and also to us, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Through the waters of holy baptism, we were born again, born from above, born from God, through water and the Holy Spirit. This gift is part of the gift of God's love, which he has for us, that he becomes our father and we become his children. And this gift, of course, is received, as all are, by faith. As it says, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's not a future prospect. It's a present reality. In holy baptism, when we are baptized into Christ, the Father says to us, as he did to Christ his Son at his baptism, You are my beloved child, in whom I am well pleased. And so we become brothers and sisters in Christ, sharing God as our Father. Beloved, the beloved Apostle writes, We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears... We shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Yes, we are God's children now. Now we are his children. Adopted through holy baptism, we are born again. And this gift of love is received by faith. There is no greater gift that we can receive from God than to be made his children. Once we have been made his children, there is nothing greater that we can become. To be his child is great gift of love indeed. See what kind of love the Father has, has given us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. But this does not mean that nothing will change. Although our status as God's children will not change into something greater, that does not mean that we will not change. For what we will be has not yet appeared. There will be a change, though not from children to something else, but from lowly children to exalted 
children. For now we are lowly. Now what we are is hidden. Now the world does not know us because it does not know God. The world cannot understand us. It cannot understand God. It cannot understand why we do not seek after worldly honor, fame, and glory like it does. It cannot understand why we associate with the lowly as well as the high and see both deserving of an equal love. It cannot understand why we would not seek pleasure and joy and riches, but instead seek the things of God which are often at odds with the things of the world. But we should not be sad when the world does not know us. Yes, we will often suffer for it in ways. We may lose family and friends as values clash. We may lose chances at promotions. Our children and grandchildren may lose opportunities for sports and other activities that place themselves at odds over hearing God's word. But these things, these results of the world not knowing us, are proof that we are God's children. For now, as God's children, we are in a humble and low estate, and nothing visible marks us out as different. Now there are things that are different because we are God's children, but these things are hidden from the eye. Now we have no gleaming white robe as John saw in Revelation. We do not have the robe, but we have the robe of Christ's righteousness, the wedding garment of the feast of the Lamb, a gift of God given to us through faith in Christ that covers all our sins. We have now the shining diamond of faith, set upon the crown of hope, surrounded by pearls of love manifested by good works. These things all belong to God's children, but no one but God can see them. Our status as children is invisible to all but God. Beloved, we are God's children now, but what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Now, as God's children, we are still in the sinful world and the fallen flesh. As such, now, in the present life, we still need to daily struggle and wrestle against the sinful flesh, the fallen nature. We must fight against temptations that come from within, stoked by our sinful nature. We still live in a sinful and fallen world, and so we must fight against temptations from without, which our own sinful flesh is inclined to follow. Yet we must resist these by the new nature, our inner man, which has been born again from God. It is a difficult course of things. It is a life filled with many sorrows, crosses, trials, and tribulations. But while it is a difficult life, it is also one wherein we have joy which springs from our faith in God and our hope grounded in Christ Jesus for what we will be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Then we will still be God's children, but we will be changed from what we are now. Now we are still hampered by sin. Now God's image in us, while renewed, is imperfect. But then we shall be like him because we shall see him 
as he is. Then in the resurrection, we will be in his presence and we will see him as he is. God will make his home with us and all who had faith in his son in this life, and we shall stand before the throne of God. This is different than the beatific vision which the saints currently possess. They are ever before him in heaven, and they see him in spirit. But in the resurrection, we shall see him with our own eyes, with our eyes of flesh. As Job writes, after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes will behold him, and not another. And then, when we see God in this way, as we see him as he is, we shall become like him. Then, seeing God, the image of God in us will be perfectly and fully restored, so that we shall be perfect, righteous, and holy. Oh, what kind of love the Father has for us! Then our lowly bodies will be made to be like Christ's glorious body, as St. Paul wrote to the Philippians. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. He has subjected all things to himself, even death. And so he will raise us up on the last day, and all who believe in him will be transformed. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And so being changed in this way, we will be immortal and changed to unchanging, as Jesus is now. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. What else this will entail, we do not know. For what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Just as God's love for us cannot fully be described, but only reverenced, so too we cannot fully know the glory of what God has prepared for us. We get a glimpse of it in Revelation. We shall be before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter us with his presence. We shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike us, nor any scorching heat. And for us here in the northern reaches, where St. John most certainly was not, neither any blistering cold. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be our shepherd, and he will guide us to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. This is our hope, our hope grounded in Christ. He is our foundation for everything. He is our foundation of our faith. He is its object. He is the foundation of our righteousness, for his righteousness is given to us as a garment. He is the foundation for our love, for our, his love animates us and inspires us and motivates our love towards our neighbors. So too is the foundation of our hope, for we can only have any hope of eternal life, any hope of being a child of God, any hope of of having anything at all of what we have heard this morning because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure, 
this purification is a lifelong process. We will never perfectly be purified in this life as long as the stain of sin remains and clings to us. It is a lifelong practice. As long as we hope in Christ, we purify ourselves, just as he is pure, looking to him who is pure, who has always been pure. He is our model and our guide. As we hope in him, we desire to and do purify ourselves, looking forward to the time when we will receive in full which now we hope for and only have in part. We purify ourselves through making use of his word and sacrament, through reading and hearing, studying and meditating on his word, seriously considering it with our hearts while he changes us through his Holy Spirit who works in the word. We seek him out through the sacrament of the altar, which he has given to us to purify us, so that by receiving his body and his blood in repentant faith, we receive the forgiveness of our sins and purify ourselves as we are united to him in a blissful and sweet communion. We purify ourselves as we confess our sins where we have fallen short, where we have succumbed to temptation and weakness. This purifies us because we confess, hoping for the blessed word of absolution that comes through Christ and takes away our sins. Using these means which our Lord has provided for us, just as all the saints before us did, we purify ourselves as he is pure. And so, so too, we purify ourselves through the mortification of the flesh, through teaching and training ourselves in restraint, through fasting and self-denial and self-control, disciplining ourselves and teaching ourselves self-control. And these exercises are not merely bodily, but they are accompanied and should be accompanied by prayer. In this, we purify ourselves with the help of the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us and who intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words until we receive the fullness of our hope. We also purify ourselves as he is pure through our good works. In these, the Lord works through us to help our neighbors. God has prepared the works for us to walk in, and in walking in them, we purify ourselves as God works in and through us as we follow after Christ our Lord and Master and Savior. For good works are the natural fruit of faith, flowing from it as a stream flows forth from a spring. It is good and right for the children of God. Beloved, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Yet it is a great love, yes, it is a great love, a pure love, a love beyond all telling which has made us children of God. It is a love which unites us together, you and I, all here, and to all God's children throughout the world, but not only to those who are here on earth now, but also to the church in heaven. The saints of God who enjoy the beatific vision, who pray that God's kingdom would come, and that they, as well as all of the church on earth, shall see him as he is in the resurrection, and so be made pure, righteous, and holy forever in his presence. May God grant this to all of us, through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.